0: Here's your host, William
1: Tincup.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you're listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about navigating HR in a crisis. And I have a wonderful uh, guest on today uh, from Sumtotal, actually uh, Brent Coles- Colescott. Excuse me, I had to sneeze right in the middle of your name. Brent, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, William. It's great to be on with you. Uh, great to have you on. Long, long, long time we should have we should have had this podcast years ago. Um, however, we're having it now, and that's that's what's important. Pronounce your last name so that the audience, because of my butchery, gets. Uh, that's, right. that's not
1: a problem. It's actually easier than you think. It's Cole Scott. Cole Scott. Sorry. Cole yeah. Scott. Yeah. Mine's- Although Siri likes to butcher it, and she still hasn't gotten it right <laughs> on my own
0: phone. Yeah. Well. Tin cup, you'd be amazed at how many people call me teacup or tin can <laughs> or all kinds. of I was like, really? It's two very simple words put together. I yeah, mean, same, same as mine, so we're yeah, in the same camp. Uh, same, same
1: camp. So um, uh, do
0: us a favor and introduce yourself to the audience.
1: Sure. Um, I am the Senior Director of Global Strategy and Transformation for SumTotal, which I always say is a fancy title for saying I used to be a customer. Uh, I was a practitioner in uh, the learning and talent space for about 17 years. In fact, I was a customer of the separate companies of Skillsoft and, at the time, click to learn uh, where I started actually putting Skillsoft content onto a click to learn platform. Little did I know about 18 years later, I would be working for the company that I helped that had actually also joined itself together, um, so it's kind of fortuitous, but I Essentially, I act as a strategist for our customers in leveraging our platforms and technology based on best practices that I've curated myself over my tenure as a practitioner, but also the more, uh, I guess, fun that I have is curating practices from other organizations as I travel around the globe, which I sorely am missing that travel right now. Uh,
0: truth, truth. This is the introvert's
1: heaven and the extrovert's hell.
0: This is, that's what we've learned here. Uh, If nothing else, we've learned that. Um, And your position just sounds fantastic because you get to talk to people and kind of help them through things, which is, uh, you know, it's important for our topic today, which again is navigating HR in a crisis and we're in the, and we're in the middle of a crisis, so we this are. is you know apropos to be talking about that. So let's just kind of kick it off. Um, working you know working with our HR often means a lot of internal crises. In fact, I call it uh, HR kind of like uh, they're they're like firefighters. They mm-hmm. come in and they go from one fire to the next. Right? Yeah. Uh, in what ways do you think? Uh, this pandemic or covid has equipped hr leaders to deal with this pandemic so what, what well if, I, I, because they're crisis oriented i guess
1: right well i mean I, I think they it's literally jumping from one crisis to the next right. um you know last year uh, i was in india and i kind of rolled out a theory that i had which was hr was undergoing a, a perfect storm already uh when we looked at talent scarcity and then you know so hr was having to to find people when there were no people, then they were challenged with the maintaining the people that they had, the expectations of the employee experience, the needs, the growth, the development, and then automation coming and technology. I mean, these were all swirling winds that were coming at HR and HR still had to, you know, get the, the, the paper out on time, essentially. When you think about all the standard compliance, Uh, And workforce components that just happen and have to happen on a daily basis. And so when COVID hit, I, I said, you know, they're already dealing with a perfect storm. And now it's like the asteroid came on top of all of that. So the one thing I know is that HR people are battle tested. Um, if anything, you know, they they've understood the challenges they've been in the people space to understand. It's not just a business challenge, but they also have to deal with the the emotional piece, um, the EQ, which is you know the emotional quotient, which is a big term that's been going on for a lot of time. So, uh, yeah, I think H.R. was just already dealing with it now. It's just it's for them. It's like, OK, what else you got?
0: <laughs> and, and you're going to come out the other end stronger and better because of it uh, of course um uniquely to kind of find the work from home uh not a crisis but but uh but obviously a different way to work what have you seen so far and how people have been how hr leaders have been adaptive in dealing with work from home
1: yeah i mean the, the challenge with the work from home and particularly with this pandemic was i heard someone put it probably the best I've heard it put so far, which was it's not just working from home. It's it's called working from home during a pandemic. And that's a distinction that I think is probably more so important because while many of us have worked from home and I've worked from home for the last five years or so, uh, the kids go off to school. <laughs> and, and that's part of the work from home is that you have that nice quiet time in the day. And, and they're not now. And so you're dealing with uh, the whole concept of everybody's at home. And so the work from home challenge is there. The interaction challenge is there. I mean, you've got the overburden of Zoom meetings for some people, and like you said, the introvert expert aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the challenge though is even more so HR supporting the supervisor, supporting the employees, because what is typically a difficult discussion face to face, which is, how are you doing? Are you okay? You know, I know there's some things going on. Uh, that kind of conversation is hard enough for a manager to have or an HR person to have when someone's going through an emotional situation. Well, pretty much everyone has been impacted emotionally at some point in this last few months, and 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 the you know the factors are are 100x in terms of how it's not just one thing it's multiple things that everyone's had to deal with and so a manager trying to support someone remotely that's an even more difficult conversation and then on top of that you've got the aspect of the hr person trying to support all this and then let's let's not completely forget that the hr people are also going through all this so I I write on a blog uh, on a regular basis, and I I kind of wrote one dedicated to the HR heroes. You know, um, our HR people are having to operate in a time of crisis while still being in the crisis themselves, and it's a little different than the talent crisis or that HR perfect storm. I mean, that's just a swirling event of business challenges that they've had to deal with. This is business challenges in a pandemic, so, you know, there's, there's a life and limb aspect of it in some as, you know, uh, areas versus just a business aspect. So it's, it's, it's quite a lot. And I, the one thing I just want to make sure as I continue to say is just make sure you thank your HR people because they're the ones having to really have to deal with a lot more than we ever could imagine.
0: Right. And some of it, you know, foreseen and unforeseen, obviously. Um, Absolutely. With, with people that have been furloughed, which by the way i'm not sure I actually know the definition of furloughed, so I'm going to put that aside for just a moment but we've we've been through obviously rounds of layoffs and and, and people being uh, furloughed how what's, 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 the, what's the reentry for those that have been f- furloughed? Uh, hundreds and thousands, and in, in some cases, how do you how do you suggest HR look at bringing them back? In either onboarding them again, or re-onboarding them, or getting them back into the swing of things? Like, what's your what's your advice for folks there?
1: Well, I've I've heard a lot about this, and discussed discuss this quite a bit. And in the it's interesting that there's a phrase that's come up too, which is restarting versus rebooting. Um, in some aspects and 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 i think the the term furlough kind of to your point um that's i think this term has been used more in the last four months than probably in the last 40 years yeah uh but what's interesting about it is that in in furloughs in the past there's been a very distinct separation that um you know, you can't do anything for work, you shouldn't do anything for work, and the and the company shouldn't do anything to contact you and, and shouldn't expect it. And that's when the it's a financial aspect and, and such. But the furloughs, as I'm hearing from organizations that I'm speaking with, there's so much empathy from the organization to the employee that they hate that this process is happening and they want to do things for those employees. Uh, They want to provide opportunities for training and development in ways that they probably wouldn't have done in in a textbook furlough before. There's such empathy in that aspect. And so the idea of bringing people back is something they're all very excited about and want to do when they can. The challenge is, is that for HR, um, again, is right there in the middle of it all and anything that they can do to automate these processes you know i've heard of of organizations kind of leaning into their technology and so you you made the mention of an onboarding plan the idea of an onboarding plan um some people it's it's a sheet of paper that has a 30 60 90 day checklist others you know thankfully are moving towards like our platform has an onboarding what we call initiative where you can plug in pieces into technology to say, you know complete this or look at this or follow up on this and and it guides you that way. well, I think a lot of organizations are actually looking at. Uh, leaning into their technology and taking those onboarding plans as those re-entry plans for their onboarding. So, anything they can do digitally uh, at scale, because there's such a large group of people coming back. Um, it, you know, there's there's also two aspects to look at too. Is that a lot of the organizations in this remote work sense have actually been hiring people, and so they've been onboarding people remotely for the first time for many organizations. And so they've kind of started to understand what it means to use technology virtually to onboard someone. And so now what they're doing is they can turn that for the furloughs again to bring them back. But again, there's gonna have to be some re-education, reorientation for a lot of them because coming back from a a furlough status, the organization may not be exactly as it was left. And a lot of instances, if it means coming back to a workplace. Uh, a lot of those organizational workplaces have changed from seating configuration, hygiene requirements and needs. Um, Some businesses may have completely changed their product or service based on this. They may have completely dropped one and now it's a reorientation. And we're also looking at reorientation of processes, a job that was doing X, Y, and Z may now have to learn to do PD and Q in the new post pandemic world. So Furloughing and returning is not as textbook as it was before, and there's a lot of nuances. But the more that technology can be involved to allow that scale and that self-service and that employee experience, the better off organizations are going to be. I love,
0: I love everything here. You've, you brought up something that really kind of spurred me on to think about well-being. We had some great discussions about wellness and, and, and well-being and mindfulness and things like that all the way kind of leading up to COVID, right? And so we were already kind of on this, you know, we were on this train thinking about this. We we're talking about it. What do you think COVID uh, and the pandemic, what do you think that how we're going to rethink well-being Uh, after like once the return to work uh, however we phrase the return to work how do do you think we're
1: going to think about well-being again well I I looked at it in a pre and post I kind of did a a pre and post kind of idea a few months back and this was one of those pieces and for wellness I, I kind of labeled it as as a cost savings and fringe benefit and when I say that I think about the wellness programs pre-COVID were about how many steps we can get in. Can we give you a little pedometer? Can we right. can we find ways to trim around the edges of our costs for our health insurance programs? Because the healthier the employee, the less claims they file, the lower our premiums are. Post-COVID, that takes on a completely different world. I, I, I said pre-COVID was a cost savings fringe benefit. Post-COVID, it's an essential business function. Because when you think about it, the emotional toll that everyone mm-hmm. is going through with this COVID, there's um, five areas that I think I've kind of highlighted in terms of my opinion of, of this emotional toll. One of them is going to be anxiety as you have this return to human contact. And I think that's going to be across the board. I mean, anyone who's been sequestered long enough, when you start to large, go back to these large groups, there's going to be some anxiety um, for the furloughed. Or those that have lost their job, there's going to be a uh, restoring of life after the job loss. There's also uh, grieving of lost loved ones. I-, I can tell you personally, I've had two lost loved ones in this time period. And the ability to grieve openly or collectively with family members has been, you know, it's not been allowed. And so right. that's an emotional toll. Uh, the social distancing or the effects of the quarantine on people's children, and then just adjusting to—and I hate to use this term because I think it's—it's it's kind of being overplayed—but the new normal. You know, all of these are emotional. These are just five that I kind of came up with. But like I mentioned, it's—it's it's on a hundred x factor as far as the way that people have been impacted, and that is a a function of just the individual that has to be recognized and as we were talking before about the remote work it's difficult as a manager or supervisor or an hr person to do this at arms length and deal with this and so uh, you know i think we're going to see much like almost a, and i don't want to take away from the significance when i want to use this term in a comparison but a ptsd kind of situation um, this is going to manifest itself out in the months and years to come and when you look at even like uh there's some reporting on gen z uh they're saying that from a gen z perspective this is their uh kennedy assassination this is their uh 9 11 this is their berlin wall moment this is the you know whatever it is this is is this for this generation now so that's the significance of how this is going to play out that's uh 100% agree um and
0: As best you can, again, I know that you don't have a crystal ball, but you also have wonderful customers, and you have great conversations, so you do have some insight here and opinions. <laughs> uh, what, what do you think that HR learns from COVID, like thematically, you know, when they get to do a kind of a postmortem and think about, okay, how do we handle it, you know, blah, 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 what do you think they,
1: you know, good, bad, or ugly, what do you think that they learn from COVID? Well, I, I I kind of flip it a little bit. I I think that they're already learning. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Live <laughs> ammunition I, I, does that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think what what's interesting though is I think the business is going to have a greater appreciation for for what HR does. There's always been this discussion and, and this complaint that we need a seat at the table. HR doesn't feel like they have a seat at the table or learning doesn't feel like it has a seat at the table. They've had a seat at the table. It may have not necessarily felt like it, but when you look at everything that's happened in terms of the last five months... HR is dead center in it, you know, when it comes to workforce planning, when it comes to wellness, when it comes to benefits, um, the teams, uh, all of this, HR is woven within every aspect of this, and HR is, is literally the one that the business is looking to to say, I need help to do this, I need help to do this, I need help to do this, and so when you think about business continuity, how did safety was the first reason everybody had to go off to their remote homes and, and and be safe. And that was under a kind of a wellness aspect. And then the maintaining of those business times and some people were given extra PTO because of the aspect of, of dealing with everything we're dealing with. I mean all these decisions were being run past or through or re- relied upon hr practitioners hr experts to to make these decisions and so you literally put hr in the driver's seat at the middle beginning to middle of march and they've been driving this bus to maintain the business because the people are the business and so if anything coming out of this i see hr as having and 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 hopefully will maintain the level of of um not respect, but the level of strategy, strategic importance to the organization that they have had all along, but have now finally been seen to have. And so your CHRO is going to be on par with a CFO and a CEO. It's that, it was already kind of getting that way, but now I think there's this mutual respect that when we hear the CHRO coming in, that's no different than if the CEO or the CFO was coming in and the role that hr has played to save many of these organizations to support many of the people and what they've done is it, it can't be underestimated and that and that's my opinion on that i love that i love that i i have to ask you about automation just because it,
0: it it's it's on my mind uh, a lot about uh, how, how we can make things a bit more efficient uh, and, and take some of maybe, maybe the tactical things that, that we shouldn't be doing uh, and let, let robots do those things. What do you, what do you <laughs> think? <laughs> right? <Robot. laughs> again, back to Siri. We, uh, yeah. we, we, uh, the conversation, of course, comes back to Siri. Um, you know, what do you think the role of automation, you know, what do, again, post-COVID when we're thinking about that world, what do you what do you think the role of automation will be or should be
1: well I, I think it goes it ties itself to digitalization really um i i was on a call where the phrase or the 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 comment was made that digital resistance is gone uh anyone that is resisting <laughs> digitalization of a process or anything um, has now lost any standing and they're even saying yeah we need to put we need to make this digital uh perfect example i was i was on a call with um the south asia and or apac countries and they were talking about how this one company customer of ours had their executives quarantined and they were very much adamant about the way they signed documents and yet at this point they had no electronic signature capability but when a 60 plus year old was quarantined in their home afraid because they're a high risk group that a courier is now coming to their front door with a document for them to sign digital resistance all but evaporated because now this is realistic this is this was a concern for their health their well-being their succession the running of their organization all because they had to sign a document on paper and so when you you take a, just that example And apply it across the board when we look at how remote teams are now you can't walk down the hall with a piece of paper you can't do these things you've had to quickly adjust and so i think from a scale from a contact or contact list now worlds we talk about the the idea of looking at how can I find data, how can I make sure it's streaming together at the same time, how can processes that used to require people to hand things from one another be completely eradicated and moved to a digital sense, I think we're going to see, and we have already seen when you kind of think of those line graph progressions, this exponential uptick in the digitalization of processes, and, and with HR, um, absolutely looking at ways to be more efficient, because kind of going full circle back to some of our emotional conversations, HR cannot afford to have any one single person sitting on an Excel sheet and that being their primary job. That data in that silo has to go into the greater good and that person has to now fulfill what needs to be the emotional component of what people need. They don't need someone in an HR department on payroll that's just focusing on... A spreadsheet. They need that person, and every every one of those people focusing on a person-to-person connection. How can I help this person? How can I listen to this person? How can I empathize with this person? That goes back to our wellness piece of it being an essential business function, and I think digitalization will take off those aspects so that we can get back to that human-to-human component.
0: That is wonderful. That last question, and we'll, and we'll do it quickly. Parting advice: kind of your best anecdote or your best advice for navigating, navigating for you know for HR folks for navigating in a crisis. What's your what's your best advice?
1: My best advice is throw out any preconceived notions of what did or didn't work before, because the whole thing has changed, um, and I mean that for everything uh we're seeing models and norms being impacted in a way that we've never seen before and the assumption that you can apply pre-covid restrictions or reasons or rationale may not exist any longer i've I've heard of roadmaps that were two years for implementation being done in two months or two weeks Uh, I would just say throw out any preconceived notions, arguments, reasons why, and look at everything, you know, afresh and new. Because the reality is, is that we're in a different time now. And what may have not been possible before is absolutely possible today. I love it. I love it. This is
0: been wonderful and agreed uh we should do more more of these more often and get on the phone and just uh talk about stuff because uh i think the audience could learn a lot of um they could just learn a lot of your wisdom both as a practitioner when you did the job but also as the vista in which you talk to people and you advise and consult and help and you know all that stuff i think there's just great stories there so thank you again thank you for carving out time and uh, my pleasure I know you're busy so uh, I appreciate it and I know the audience appreciates it so thanks Brent thanks William appreciate it absolutely and for everyone listening thank you again for listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast and until next time